Hey y'all, welcome to Real Medicine with Dr. Rocks. Have you ever felt like no one in medicine understands you and is keeping it real? Well, check out this podcast to explore all the topics no one really talks about. We're going to be talking about burnout, being married in medicine, having kids in medicine, what it looks like to have wellness, what is residency really like, what is the pre-med journey entail, failure, depth, and more. Join us on the latest episode of Real Medicine with Dr. Ross. Hey guys, it's your girl, Dr. Rocks. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Real Medicine with Dr. Rocks. Today we have one of my really good friends, Dr. Crystal Mills. She actually hails from Jamaica, went to school there, and is now doing her residency in internal medicine at Morehouse School of Medicine. So welcome, Dr. Mills. Thank you, Roxy. So, of course, we want to get to know you. We want to know where you're going and what you've been through. I think this is going to be a really good episode to talk to people about what it's like to be someone who is not a U.S. citizen, Mm -hmm. but is now doing their training here in the U.S. Yes, yes. So tell me, did you, are you one of the people who wanted to be a doctor since they were like five or <laughs> did it come gradually? Like what made you want to go into medicine? Yeah. Uh, so I definitely was not one of those persons who knew very early on that they wanted to do medicine. Um, it kind of came gradually. Um, I think towards the end of high school, I started thinking about what I could possibly want to do up until then I was kind of open to anything. Um, And then I kind of read, because I loved reading, so I kind of read about um, some hospital volunteers um, in like a novel, and I was like, oh, like working at a hospital sounds really interesting, and that's actually what kind of spurred my interest, um, just reading like a random teenage novel. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, and then, I mean, of course, I started like doing like rotations or like, like visits at hospitals, and then that kind of furthered my interest in the field. Wow. So you were in high school when you decided. Yes. And then, remind me, in Jamaica, you go and you decide in college or is college kind of wrapped up in medical school? Yeah. So in Jamaica, we actually go straight from high school to medical school. Um, Yeah, so I kind of needed to make that decision in high school and then apply for medical school, like in my final year of high school. Wow. And how long is medical school then? It's five years. Okay. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. So we follow the British system. So that's why it's set up like that for us. Wait, what's the system? British. Oh, British. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so then when you started, then you had to be like, what, 18, 19? Yep, yep, that's it. And then you graduated at like 20... 23? Three? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then after that, then you go into specialty, and that's how you end up here. Right, right. So in Jamaica, before we specialize, we work for two years, like as a general doctor you like you do rotations in the hospital before residency um and then I use my time working after medical school to kind of prepare for residency in the U.S. um as opposed to residency in Jamaica okay and why why the U.S. over Jamaica I think that's something that should be talked about yes Mm -hmm. um I 
it's kind of I like using analogies. So I guess like if you spoke to someone in Florida and they're like, oh, they want to move to France for like a different experience. Um, I think it was something like that for me. Um, in medical school, I just, you know, kind of wanted, knew that for residency, I kind of wanted a different experience, wanted to be exposed to different things um, and kind of started reading on the internet and doing like little, you know, research um, into what the U.S. experience was like, and it became more appealing, and I kind of started working towards that. And then after that, um, did you know that you wanted to do no i was pretty open um still um prior to residency um but before i came to do residency i did quite a few rotations at u.s hospitals um uh -huh. so for international medical graduates we aren't able to do like sub eyes um or you know many hospitals don't offer medical electives um, just because it's like two different systems um, but we do have what's called observerships so quite a few international persons opt for observerships, where it's mm -hmm. kind of like a sub-I experience and just, you know, it's less hands-on. Um, so I did about four. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think that really made a difference in terms of my application, because I know there are a lot of international medical graduates who apply without U.S. experience. Mm -hmm. um, so I think having that exposure to like the US, U.S. hospital system really made a difference. So I, my last observership was actually in GI. Um, and then that's what really kind of made me interested in the field of GI. So since we're on GI, but I have so many questions about these observerships. I'm just going to move on to the GI. So what is it that you like about GI? Like, Hey guys, it's your girl, Dr. Rocks. I'm here with an advertisement for Dope Scrubs. That's D-O-P-E, Scrubs. And I want to let you all know that you can get 15% off with your next purchase with the code Dr. Rocks 15. That's D-R-R-O-X-1-5, Dr. Rocks 15. Dope Scrubs is an amazing brand. You guys should check them out. They're a Black-owned company based in Chicago and created by a medical professional for medical professionals. They have amazing styles, colors, and more coming soon. And they've only been in operation for 2020. There's more to come from this amazing brand. I hope you all make a purchase today. What is it about GI? that you really like because a lot of people would be like oh you know it's a stool and like yeah all those things what is it that made you really resonate with the specialty yeah so I mean in medical school I really saw it as just stool as well um, I didn't have much exposure at that point um, but I knew going into medical school I was really passionate about colon cancer um, mm -hmm. And so with internal medicine, I was initially thinking about medical oncology um, mm -hmm. as a route to kind of help, you know, minorities um, who have to deal with cancer. Um, but then, I mean, just being honest with myself, it was just a little sad and depressing as a specialty for me personally. And then once I did my GI rotation and I saw the procedures, um, I saw how they were able to deal with persons with colon cancer as well, but kind of from a preventative standpoint. Mm -hmm. 
and kind of get into the community and get into patients early, um, that kind of fueled my interest more towards GI as an opportunity to kind of work with patients and minorities um, in particular. Okay. And then tell for those who don't know, so how do you get to GI? So once you're in internal medicine, yes. what's the next step? So you get into an internal medicine program. Is it only internal medicine that can go into GI? Yes, right now. So you do three years of your internal medicine residency, and then you apply for fellowship. And then how long is fellowship? So the GI fellowship is three years. Okay. And then I actually have a friend who's in GI, and it seems like he's been doing fellowship for more than three years. I know, right? <laughs> so then, you do, what are like some of the advanced fellowships that you can go Well, I know you have advanced endoscopy. Um, yeah. And you have hepatology as well, um, okay. which is, yeah, they're both very interesting fields after, which is, you know, again, more training after those three years of gastroenterology fellowship. Oof, okay. Do you want to do any of those? Uh, I'm, th- <laughs> I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> this just seems like forever, but once you're in y'all, real medicine without the rocks. If you're going to do yeah. medicine, honestly, the years just kind of go by. Yeah. So you might as well do what you want to do as far as training because it's hard to go back. That's tip one. Number two, you're going to be in medicine probably for at least 20 to 30 years. You should probably go into what you want to do because it's yeah. going to be a wash. Them three years are going to feel like nothing compared to 30 years of whatever you want to do. I agreed. And then, so going back to these observerships, so how do you yes. get an observership? So for me, it was a lot of research, um, meaning Googling, um, kind of looking at places I was interested in, um, kind of looking up um, persons who had maybe written blog articles about their experience and you know, how they were able to get observership. Because coming from Jamaica, I had probably heard about like a handful of people who had done a similar process before, but I didn't have like a direct contact to them. Mm. Um, so, and I didn't have like a podcast like this to listen to. Um, so definitely like looking at blogs, I saw where, you know, international grads had done their rotations and then I applied to those places. Um, Obviously, it was a it was a stretch for me because I didn't know anyone who had done something similar. Um, but you know, I got back my yeses, I got back my rotations, um, and then because I was working in Jamaica, I used my vacation from work um, as the time to kind of do those rotations overseas. Oh, what were you doing um, for work? So I was working. So my first year, I worked at a teaching hospital in Kingston. um, And I did that for my second year as well. Um, And then my third year working in Jamaica, I actually spent those first three months completing my observerships. And then for the rest of the year, I worked at a private hospital. Oh, wow. So you were grinding. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. That's what I always tell people. Like, you got to grind. Yep, yep. Because, yeah, it's going to be a lot. It is, yeah. (laughs) And it never ends. Mm Mm-mm. Yeah. So how are you liking internal medicine at Morehouse? 
I really love it. Um, I think, you know, you never really know how you feel about something until you actually experience it. Um, so I know at my interview, I felt very comfortable. Um, I had two attendings who interviewed me and I kind of felt like I connected with them. But, you know, even during that process, you're like, okay, when I get there, is it going to be completely different? Um, but being here, you, you feel like it was different? It was not. Um, so being here, the same attendings I've interacted with, they're the same. They're just as welcoming, um, just as warm. Um, and, you know, everyone is just, you know, working hard, um, obviously, because we're at, you know, one of the largest public hospitals in the U.S. But right. everyone also has a focus on helping the underserved, um, which is like a genuine, you know, interest. And um, I really enjoy being a part of that. Um, I know, like, coming from a Jamaican background, it's kind of nice to be able to give back to persons who are, like, of African descent um, and kind of, you know, give back to the community in that sense. Right. And then do you feel like Atlanta is a good place? <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, definitely. You know, Atlanta has a, a place in my heart. Mm -hmm. It's very diverse. Um, I think that's the big plus here. Um, I know that there are cities in the U.S. where I wouldn't be able to order Jamaican food or I wouldn't see many persons who looked like me. Um, and Atlanta has that. They have a diverse um social scene, diverse food scene, and they have persons from different backgrounds. So coming from Jamaica by myself and moving to the U.S., I feel like Atlanta was a good starting place. Um, and I really enjoy living here. Okay. Let's see. And we enjoy having you. Y'all, <laughs> like, this is, like, one of my good friends. Like, when I see her in the hospital, I'm like, oh, somebody who cares about me. Hey. <laughs> And she, she's a grinder, and I like people who work hard, so I, I just see that in you, and I, and I hope that anyone listening knows that. It takes hard work to get here, but you don't have to be, like, a bad person. Mm -hmm. Dr. Mills is, like, a great person. All good things to say about her. She's a sweetheart. But she's also on top of her. <laughs> so she'll be like, mm-mm-mm. So, that, going to that, like, you just led your first ICU team right yes how was that like any tips that you have for anyone who was leading their own teams and or for interns like something that you see that happens with interns um well for interns in the ICU um because I've done you know I did my two ICU rotations as an intern I think the main thing is knowing when to ask for help and knowing that it's a team effort um so the ICU can seem very daunting, um, but you don't have to feel as if you're alone. And as a physician, it's good to know how to do things, but it's also good to recognize when you don't know how to do things. Right. And um, that will make you a great team player and kind of, you know, help you to improve. Um, so I pro think, tip. yes, <laughs> pro tip. Um, but as a senior, <laughs> I think... I mean, I guess my thing would be to keep reading, um, keep reading, mm -hmm. keep revising, um, keep going over things you've done before. So as a senior, they expect you to know, for, for example, how to put in an arterial line or a central line. 
Um, and then one thing I had learned from my seniors before was that even if you've done 50 arterial lines or 50 central lines, kind of take that time to kind of go over the steps because these are real people that you're doing these procedures on. So never feel too proud to kind of go over things um, and make sure you have it right. Because, I mean, you're going to have interns with you um, and you kind of want to do your procedures as smoothly as possible. And how do you learn the procedures? Because people are always like, oh, do you know how to do this procedure? But where would I have learned to do it? <laughs> You're right. Um, I think I, I had a good intern experience where I had seniors who were very hands-on, had a lot of experience. And so they took a lot of time to teach me how to do these things. So it was really um, by seeing my seniors do it and having them help me do my first um, couple procedures. That's how I learned it. Okay, so there's not like any I don't know YouTube. Oh yeah, or... <laughs> yeah. YouTube is still clutch. Um, okay, we still use our YouTube videos, um, but yeah, the hands-on experience and seeing one, doing one, and then having mm-hmm. persons there with you also helps. Right. Okay. I think another tip to y'all is like when other people are doing them, just be in the room. Yeah. Like, like if um there's two interns and you just did one last week, right? And and it's the other person's turn to do it, you can still go in the room and see it. Right. You're not like trying to like take their procedure. Yeah. Let them do the procedure, but you can watch. Don't scrub in or anything. Just watch. Okay. So then what do you think you're gonna do after graduation? Like as far as going back, how does that work? I know that Visas is a thing. So I'm planning to do my fellowship um, after residency. Um, After that, I mean, well, in fellowship, I'll decide whether I want to do an advanced um, year. Um, And then I might either go home or stay here in the U.S. But I'm still open to, like, whatever opportunities will be there three, four years down the line. I haven't made, like, a concrete decision as yet. Um... Yeah, but there are different things that are possible at this point. And then for visas, um, for people who are international, how does that work? Like, what type of visa do people apply for? How long are they usually? What are the stipulations? Because I've seen so much stuff in the news. It makes me worry for my friends yes. about, are they going to get sent back? Or, like, what is going on? So, yes. Right. <laughs> so, right now, we have two main visas that international medical graduates who are in medicine um, are on. Mm-hmm. And that's the H-1 visa or the J-1 visa. Um, I'm currently on the J-1 visa. It depends on what your program is willing to sponsor as well. There are some programs who don't sponsor either either visa. Um, But for the J-1, which I'll speak on since that's what I'm on, um, you have a maximum of seven years um, on the visa to do your residency and or fellowship. Um, But they have what's called a two-year home stipulation um, where you'll be where you'll be required to go home to work for two years um, and then you can return to the U.S. Or as some persons do, they waive that two-year requirement. Um, So what you do, instead of going home to work for the two years, you can work in an underserved community um, Mm. for those two years on the visa. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Real medicine with Dr. Rob. <laughs> yeah. And I need to do would be the perfect one to tell us. Yeah. Okay. So two years. Yes. But it has to be underserved per what guidelines? Like, is a population? Is that doctor per capita? Yes. Like, for example, I just went to a place. Rome, Georgia. It's in the north. And technically, by population, yeah. it's a little rural. <laughs> but by doctor, because they have two residency programs there, yeah. by doctor, they're not actually in a physician shortage. Right. So I was like, oh. So I couldn't come up here and work and be rural. Yes. So it's based on... Um, as you would say, by how many doctors are available in the area. So there's like a government website where they show the areas in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. that are not meeting their quota or could need an extra, you know, hand in terms of medical staff. And those are the places that you would have to elect to go during those two years. Okay. And then application process, do you know about it? For for the two years. Yes. So I think, um, so once you're interested in those two years, uh, most people usually work with like an immigration lawyer just to make sure, you know, they're not Mm. breaching any rules or any um, laws, especially with the current climate. Um, But it seems as if it's a straightforward process. You just work with that website. see which areas are available it might not be somewhere you want to go it uh, might be really remote um but if that's what you want to do you just work with the lawyer and the website okay i think that's a good point to make like roadmaster with dr rock because <laughs> i would i wouldn't have probably hired a lawyer <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep but like the thoroughness yeah. i agree yeah and then um, so any other tips that you have for people who are international and applying for residencies here in the U.S.? Yes. Um, so first observerships, um, because I was actually able to get a few letters of recommendations from my observerships, um, which I included in my application. Um, so then I didn't have just letters that were coming from Jamaica. Um, I had letters coming from people in the field um, Mm -hmm. who are U.S. physicians. Um, So if you're going to do these observerships, just make sure, you know, you make a good impression and you're bold about getting your letters. I remember my first observership, I didn't ask for a letter. And um, one of the other medical students was like, no, you always have to ask for a letter. (laughs) And so I kind of learned from that and kind of like put that fear aside and I was able to get my letters from those rotations. So I think that really helps us in this thing. Um, Two was doing step three. Um, I think it kind of gives you an extra boost because, you know, U.S. students, they've done their step one, they've done their step two. They usually do step three in residency. So if you're able to have something extra on your application, that usually helps as well. Um... Is there anything else I would um, suggest? Um, and then doing your homework on the programs, you know. Um, obviously, you want to apply broadly. Um, international medical students usually apply to two or three times as many programs as U.S. grads, um, just because of the process of selection. 
Um, so what I didn't realize initially, but I realized with more reading, um, was that the U.S. grads are, you know, screened first, their applications are processed first, then the mm. U.S. IMGs, and then the foreign IMGs. Um, mm. So you want to have enough programs that you apply to to make sure that after that process, you know, you still have enough places that can offer you interviews. Um, and then obviously once you get to the interview to kind of put your best foot forward. Right. And so do you think that, um, how do I say <laughs> I'm trying to like tiptoe around it. I know, it's, right? It's definitely like a disadvantage from what mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hearing. And so how do you work around that? Uh, other than the observership like yeah i know like putting your application early make sure it's complete when you put it in make sure you've taken step one two and three yes um what else because <laughs> i just feel for people right yeah because it's not really their fault mm-hmm. that they were born in another country but want to train in another country right yeah i think uh, the first thing is not to underestimate the process. Um, so yes, you want to study in a different country, but just be aware of, you know, how difficult it may be and um, kind of prepare for it to be a difficult process. Because I know there are people um, back in Jamaica who they say they're going to do the USMLEs and 10 years later, they haven't done it. Or, you know, they've applied to the US, but they haven't done any rotations here. Um, so I think there are a lot of people who underestimate how much work goes into it. Um, but I think once you put that work in, I mean, I've met persons who were also internationals who have now matched. Um, mm-hmm. So I think once you put that work in, it definitely does pay off. Right. Yeah. But hard work to you, I know it's probably just, you make it look so easy. <laughs> Maybe. It's going to be publishing papers all the time. Oh, oh let's talk about that. <laughs> so how, how do you, how do you, how do you feel like people should get research? Yeah. Um, I think one thing I learned from Jamaica as well, because the first published manuscript I did was in Jamaica. Um Look at who is doing research. Look at who is serious about research. I mean, you might, you know, like ex um, attending, but, you know, they're not very research heavy. They're in the clinics. They're on the floors. Um, So just look at who is doing research. See how you can kind of combine your interests with theirs. Um, And then, you know, be willing to be a team player. And then after you've done like your couple, your first couple papers or um abstracts you know with someone else kind of and you've learned from them them in the process then you'd be at a better position to kind of start doing your own um abstracts and manuscripts yeah because you probably presented at how many conferences i don't like, know roxy <laughs> exactly the fact that you're like i don't know that, that tells you how many she's done yeah so just Really put yourself out there, guys, because no one's gonna really come to you. Mm-hmm. To ask like most people are not. Yeah. Um. So you kind of have to go to them and figure out what projects they're working on, yes. especially if it's in a specific field. You want to do heme on. Okay, so you need to talk to the hematologist. Yeah. 
you want to do GI, you need to talk to the GI. You want to do Pone Crit, you need to talk to the Pone Crit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And people should just, you know, because I've been afraid of many things that I've asked for or intimidated by approaching people. And I think that's the point which many people are like, oh, you know, I can't really bother to do that or I don't want to ask that attending, you know, what if they say no? Um, but I think it's very important to have a mindset that you're just going to go for it anyways. If this is something you really want to do, whether it's research or a rotation or getting a letter, um, not kind of giving into that fear that a lot of us have, a lot of med- medical students have, even residents, just overcoming that fear and kind of, you know, going for what you need to go for. Do it scary, y'all. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? things I do scared like my heart beat you know the little ache you get in your heart mm-hmm. my heart does that and then I still just do it yep yep so that's my biggest advice I hope you guys learned something while talking to Dr. Crystal Mills one of my really good friends here at Morehouse and if you guys have any questions um you can just hit me up um and they can contact you Crystal yes they can yes um, and I'll give you her email. This has been another episode of Real Medicine with Dr. Rox. Thank you so much, Crystal, for being here. Thank you for having me, Roxy. Absolutely. Um, and I hope you guys join us for another episode. Some of the things that will be coming up um, is more residents here. Um, and then I'll also have some of my friends um, from other Georgia programs that I'll be talking. Some people will be talking about being a chief. We'll also have some married men talking about how they balance everything. Um, and then also one of my good friends will be talking about her journey into family medicine. I'm looking forward to this new season, kicking off season two with this amazing episode. And I'll see you guys soon.